the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. So, in addition to my JD, I also have a couple of master's degrees. That is to say, I'm a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Both of these great degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in the beautiful but recently deserted downtown San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experiences, and my interests, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, but I also do debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And I'm also proud to say that sometimes as part of my practice, I have the opportunity to attempt to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of financial elder abuse that are running rampant in our country today as more and more of us uh, reach uh, the age of maturity. I am, as always, so pleased to be able to say to you that although I'm not coming to you from the beautiful KFAX studios, I'm coming to you again today from the makeshift studios in my home in the beautiful but mostly deserted San Francisco Bay Area, actually Oakland. And I come to you to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again caution you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances, and hopefully I can help you come up with at least an outline of some of the issues that may be helpful as you seek out and find qualified either legal or financial or a combination of both the financial help with someone who knows what they're doing so they can help you get out of your problem or help you seek vindication of your rights if someone is harming you. Now I do this because I'm known for saying representing yourself in a legal matter 
especially one that pertains to keeping a roof over your head and food on the table for your kids, is like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you're lucky and you get real, real close to your adversary, you might be able to scratch her on the arm or even poke her in the eye, but more than likely, you're going to be dead on arrival. And I don't mean you as a person, but I mean your righteous uh, claims and your valid defenses will likely see the promised land way before you do. So, once again, I must share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law here on KFAX, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money, and unfortunately, more often than not, the lack thereof, and your overall finances, and what you need to consider to protect your families or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts in, these, in, in this non-threatening uh, educational form. Now, today we're going to get back to the number one topic that's on everybody's mind these days, and that is to say the spread of the coronavirus, also known as COVID-19, but I'm going to be focusing on its potential economic and legal implications for families and small business owners and what, if anything, we can expect from our government to assist us and our employees in getting through this terrible pandemic. Now, my source materials today are so many that I'm not even going to try to list them, uh, but they come from most of the reputable newspapers and news sources all around the country and the world, and, of course, the enabling legislation that I'm going to share with you this morning. Um, as I'm recording this show on Thursday, March 26, 2020, I don't know the ultimate outcome of HR, that stands for House Resolution 748, uh, entitled the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, which is also known as CARES, C-A-R-E-S, the CARES Act of 2020. But as of today, the measure has been passed by the Senate, and it must go back to the House for it to approve the changes made to H.R. 748 by the Senate. It must go back to the House because that's where the bill originated because it's a bill dealing with the collection and or distribution of taxes. Now, the bill as such, a taxation bill, had to originate in the House, which it did. But, as you know, if those of you who've been awake for the last week or so, you know that the Senate made wholesale changes to the bill. Those changes, therefore, must be ratified by the House before it can move on to the President for his signature. However, as of today, as of the time of this recording, uh, uh, there have been statements, there have been statements made by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi that she believes that she has counted enough noses and she believes the bill will pass when she puts it on the floor Friday, March 27th. So when this show airs, we'll all know the outcome. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed because we'll all know when this show airs on Saturday the 28th. Now, here are the major highlights of the CARES Act. There will be or should be 301 billion with a B in what is known as free money. So what do I mean by that? 
many Americans will receive direct payments of up to $1,200 per adult and $500 per child in a family. Now, the payments will phase out as individuals making more than $99,000 a year or for couples who make more than $198,000 a year. The next component of the bill is that there's $250 billion, with a B, for expanded unemployment insurance compensation. Now, those who qualify for unemployment support will receive, on average, expanded unemployment benefits for up to four months plus $600 a week in addition to what the state benefits, the state that they're in, $600 on top of whatever their state offers them. So it's different um, from state to state, and that is my understanding is was the holdup. Uh, some people thought that that was too much money for folks. Hmm. The third component is $117 billion with a B, that will be earmarked for hospitals and veterans' health care. As you know, or again, if you've been awake for the last couple of weeks, you know hospitals, especially those caring for our great veterans, are having all kinds of financial issues, providing them with the quality of care that they need because many of the hospitals are lacking equipment, and um, uh, certain protective devices. So that would be welcome, uh, sorely needed and welcomed by these hospitals and veterans uh, hospitals and entities that provide um, hospital services for veterans. The fourth component of the bill is $349 billion, with a B, in loans to small businesses. Um, and they will help small businesses that have uh, 50 or less employees. And if the funds are used to continue paying employees or is, if it's used for utilities or if it's used for rent, the, um, that the money given to these small businesses might not have to be repaid. So. If the money is spent in a way that supports employees, then they, the money actually is a grant as opposed to a loan for small businesses. And then there's also $500 billion with a B in loans and loan guarantees and investments for major corporations, municipalities, and states that have been harmed by this crisis. $61 billion is earmarked for loans and direct cash payments to airlines, and there was a, a big brouhaha about that. And there's also funding for student loans. Well, there's not funding for student loans per se, but student loan debt holders will have a holiday from paying their student loans through the end of September with no interest or penalties accruing. So after a couple false starts, and a lot of last-minute political squabbling, the Senate passed a $2 trillion, that's with a, a T, trillion with a T, economic relief package last night. Now, combined with the 
recent acts of the Federal Reserve Board to increase liquidity in the marketplace, it is projected that that $2 trillion with a T is actually going to be a down payment of up to 6 to $8 trillion in actual uh, resources that will be available for um, our, our, our marketplace. So that's the big picture. Well, when we come back, we're going to go into this in a little bit more detail, and I'll, I'll try to answer some proposed questions. But in the meantime, we're going to take a short break. So please stay tuned. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion of today's topic, and that is to say an overview of the potential economic and legal implications for families and small business owners in the wake of the spread of COVID-19 and the hopeful passage of the CARES Act of 2020. Now, once again, the big picture is this. The urgent nature of this crisis means that legislation that is focused on what the New York Times calls survival payments for individuals and families and businesses. The bottom line is this. The goal of this legislation is to keep people employed and keep us having enough income, cash payments, so we can spend money to keep the economy going, as well as extend a life raft to floundering businesses of all sizes. But you know what? If this coronavirus doesn't stop, if we can't put a cap on it, this life Preserver, this life raft is going to need to be uh, fortified by additional stimulus in the future. So let's just hope that we can put a cap on this virus and then get back to the way things were. But you know what? Things will never be the way things were, but at least we can focus on rebuilding our economy once we put this virus to bed and stab it in, in its heart like the vampire that it is. So, uh, again, Senate overnight passed this $2 trillion package that some believe that in addition to the enhancements and stimulus that's been uh, put into play by the Federal Reserve Board, that the portion of it that's going to businesses, the $500 billion will actually be multiplied and be uh, come as large as $8 trillion worth of liquidity in uh, the marketplace for businesses to tap into to maintain their viability while we work through this virus. So, again, I use many sources, um, or have at least read many sources, just about everything in writing that I could get my hands on over the last week. But there was a really great article that I wanted to share with you all. It's, it's in the New York Times, uh, uh, dated March 26, 2020, and it's written by 
Tara Siegel Bernard and Ron Liegman, and it's some frequently asked questions um, on the stimulus checks, unemployment, and the Corovinus bill, the, the bill that I refer to as uh, the CARES Act of 2020. So many people are going to want to know or already do want to know uh, how large are the payments going to be. Again, most adults will get $1,200, although some will get less. For every child age 16 or under, the payments uh, would increase to an additional 500 So that means if you have 17, 18-year-old teenagers in your home, um, there's no funding allocated for them. Okay, and how many payments w would there be? And again, uh, the answer provided by the New York Times is just one, and that's what the bill says. Uh, future bills could order up additional payments, though. And another question, uh, how do you know if um, I will get the full amount? Well, it depends on your income is the answer. Single adults with Social Security numbers who have an adjusted gross income of $75,000 or less would get the full amount. Married couples with no children earning $150,000 or less would receive $2,400. And someone filing as a head of household would get the full payment if they earn $112,500 or less. So let me say that again. So if you're a head of household, um, and you earn less than $112,500 or less. Okay, now in individuals with incomes above those figures, their payments will de decrease until it stops altogether for a single person earning $99,000 or a married couple earning $198,000. Uh, in any given family, and in most instances, everyone must have a valid Social Security number. There is an exception for members of the military. Uh, you can find your uh, adjusted gross income on line 8B of your 2019-1040 tax return. So there's some kernels of information in there that I don't want you to miss. You have to have a valid Social Security number because, uh, uh, again, this is a tax bill. The lead agency is the Treasury Department, and an entity in the Treasury Department is the Internal Revenue Service, and that is where these checks are going to be coming from. Okay? What if my recent income made me ineligible, but I anticipate being eligible because of a loss of income in 2020? Do I get a payment? The answer is the bill does not appear to help people under those circumstances, but there may be many other provisions in the legislation that might be able to help you. You may be able to file for unemployment, or for one or more of the new loans if you're a small business owner or a sole proprietor especially. Another question is, would I need or have to apply to receive the payment? No. If the Internal Revenue Service already has your bank account information, 
it would transfer the money to you via a direct deposit based on the recent income tax figures it already has about you. Again, the Internal Revenue Service is the lead agency in getting these, this money out to you. And it would be easiest if, um, like when you have a, um, um, a refund from your tax return, uh, the Internal Revenue Service makes a direct deposit. But uh, I also have heard that uh, an, another way that they're looking to get this money out to folks are um, debit cards. So, um, again, I'm talking to you on uh, the 27th, and only one of the Houses of Congress has passed the bill. Um, it has to go before um, the House again uh, on Friday, the 27th, and maybe some of these things will be worked out, maybe not. But a lot of times, uh, once Congress passes legislation and uh, the chief executive signs off on it, then um, the entity that's taking charge has an opportunity to uh, uh, write some rules and work all these fine details out. But, but that, that is an issue. That the easiest way for one to get the money is if you already have uh, direct uh, deposit account information uh, within the bowels of the Internal Revenue Service. Now, another question is, when would the checks arrive? Uh, the answer, according to the New York Times, is Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said that he expected most people to get their payments within three weeks. So that would be uh, the latter part of the middle to latter part of April. That's projected. Another question is, if my payment doesn't come soon, how can I be sure that it wasn't misdirected? This is a good question because I got to tell you, there's all kinds of scamming going on right now uh, because um, the um, criminal class is trying to figure out ways for it to cash in on the distress of people. So this this is a, a good question. Again, the question is, if my payment doesn't come soon, will I be sure that it wasn't misdirected? Well, according to the bill, this is the answer. Uh, according to the bill, you would get a paper notice in the mail no later than a few weeks after your payment had been dispersed. That notice would contain information about where the payment ended up and in what form it was made. If you couldn't locate the payment at that point, it would be time to contact the IRS using the information provided in the notice. Another question is, what if I haven't filed tax returns recently? Would that affect my ability to receive payments? Now, I just got to say that, you know, not everybody who hasn't filed a tax return um, is doing so to evade. It's just that some people get overwhelmed. They have a lot of other stuff to do. And some people just don't have the, the skills to, to do the tax return. However, the answer is you should file. Uh, you should file a tax return. File a tax return immediately, at least for 2018, according to the IRS's website. Those without a 28 tax return on filing could potentially um, be negatively impacted as to their stimulus check, the site rates. So if you're worried about money owed to the IRS, 
and cannot make the payment, the IRS recommends consulting a tax professional who can help you request an alternate payment plan, but go ahead on and get your tax return filed so you can have access to this money. So I'm going to leave it there for now. But as always here at Selwyn's Law, we like to say we want to stay on the right side of the law especially a law that's geared towards helping all of us make it through this crisis and come out whole economically on the other side. So please, may the peace of the Lord be with you during this time of crisis, and I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 